tonight, I want to talk to you guys about, amen, something very, 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 I believe, very dear to the heart of God. And even coming after uh, Resurrection Sunday, after coming Easter, you know, I know everybody's waiting for a scripture. Don't worry. We'll get there. Amen. But, you know, what Jesus did throughout the last month, right, 2,000 years ago, 2017 years ago, right, what he did he, it was an example for what he wants us to do every day of our life. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. So I have a question for you. Amen. Have you ever been a victim of false advertisement? Right. Have you ever been a victim of false advertisement? Have you ever fallen subject to a salesperson? Right. Have you ever fallen victim to, oh, man, this is the latest. This is the best. Man, you need this. You need this. You need this iPhone, right? You need this iPod. You need this brand new car. You need this brand new suit. You need this brand new, whatever it is, right? You need a big house, right? You need this. You need that. Have you guys ever fallen victim to that? Or how about this? How about this? Only three payments, right, of $19.95, and you too can own these water balloons, right? My kid always watching YouTube. Right? And if you call now, we'll double your order. And if you call now, we'll triple your order, right? Have we ever fallen? I've fallen victim to that, right? Walking through the mall. Hey, do you got a second? Like, I don't have a second, right? I already got a cell phone. Don't, don't bug me, right? But how many guys know that salesmen, saleswomen, that they make their living off us spending money, right? They make their living off us, you know, for lack of better words, getting hooked, right? Amen. See, what, what salesmen do, what saleswomen do, what salespeople do, what companies do, what, what advertising firms do, what they do is they attract your interest, right? And not only do they attract your interest, but they attack your interest. Amen. And they use a few things. And a few of these things, one of them is called impact bias. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of impact bias, Right? If you don't know what impact bias is, this is the thing when you walk into the store and it catches your eye, you go, I need that. Impact bias is, man, my life will not be the same if I don't have that. Right? That's impact bias. Impact bias gets your brain to lie to your conscience. Right? It gets your brain to lie to who you really are, and it tells you if you don't have that, you're no good. Right? Impact bias tells you that if you don't have the latest phone, car, whatever, then you don't, you're not nothing. That's impact bias. Amen? It tells you it will be awesome and that you can't live without it. That's impact bias. That's what advertisers use. That's one of them. The second one that they use is, is this thing called focalism. Right? And it's kind of in their focalism. What this is, this is tunnel vision. Right? Has anybody here ever gotten tunnel vision? Right? I've seen Pastor Daryl get tunnel vision at Costco. Not just kidding. I've never been to Costco with Pastor Daryl, but I'm sure it's happened. Amen? Because it happens to me. Right? You walk in the door, and you're looking for the you're, Are you Are you, you serving right now? You got samples right now? Right? And then you're, like, putting the wrap, and you're looking, right? Take, oh, I got three kids over here. You ain't got nobody with you. Right? You got tunnel vision. Right? Focalism. Right? What focalism does Amen, Brother Eric. What focalism does is it blurs out reality, right? Focalism blurs out reality, amen? This is what focalism does. And they understand that if they get something to catch your eye, catch your interest, right, or even that touches a place in your life where you feel like you need it, that they got you. 
where you can't see nothing else except for what you're focused on. Man, I need to get that new car. If I don't get that new car, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get that new car, right? I'm, I'm going to, you know, maybe not pay my tithes, right? Maybe I'm not going to, you know, do this or do that, but I got, you know, whatever it is, it's, that's focalism, right? It triggers, triggers the parts of the brain that control happiness and pleasure, amen? It's these two things that get us to buy without counting the full cost, right? Now we're starting to get into the message. These are the things that cause us to buy without counting the full cost, without thinking about the long term, right? You could have this brand new car if you pay us $300 a month for 62 months, right? And if it's a lease in 62 months, you give it back to us, right? But you had a new car, yeah, well, at the end of that, you ain't got nothing, right? So it gets us to buy without counting the full cost. It's this that causes us to look outside after we buy something. I don't know if you guys ever done this, right? I've done this a few times where you buy something, you go to bed, and you, and you, you wake up in the middle of the night like, did I really buy that? <laughs> right? Do I really have a new car sitting in the driveway? And you go and you look, and you go, okay, it's still there, and you go back to sleep, right? But then after a few days, you go, oh, man, did I really buy that? You go, oh, man, it's still there, right? I thought it was a dream. It gets us to ask the question, why did I buy this or that or whatever? Amen? It felt right at the moment, but now I don't know if it was the right thing to do that. Amen? An example of this, right? I'm, I'm a Harley mechanic, you know, so uh, I, I work on Harleys every day, and, you know, it's, it's a good job, and, and there's a lot of money in, in, in Harley-Davidson repair for some weird reason because it's not a necessity. Amen? But praise the Lord. Amen. But there at the dealership, I'm in the service department, but there's a sales department, right? There's a sales department, there's a sales floor, right? And they got a flow of how they want you to walk through the dealership so that you see this and you see that and you see the brand new bike right when you walk in with all the bells and whistles on it, right? That they got their sales pitch down, right? And Harleys are a good product, right? They got a Harley shirt right here, right? Now, that's even one thing. They guide you to the clothes, and oh, buy a hat, and if you, you know, so they're smart. They're really smart, but see, Harley-Davidson, it's a great product, right? American-made, American-built, right? Everybody wants a Harley, right? Everybody wants a Harley. Pastor Daryl bought into it, amen? I sold mine. I'm free, praise the Lord, amen? I'm praying for another one, right? They're a great product, right? They're good. They're fun. Man, they sound great. You can hear a Harley. You know if that's a Harley or a Honda, right? Come on, Pastor Toby. It's okay. <laughs> Amen. But see, it's a good product, but I want to let you know, as a mechanic, I know its flaws, right? As a, as a mechanic, I have to repair the flaws that those bikes have, right? The things that break continuously, Right? And as a Harley mechanic, I know the full price of a Harley-Davidson. When someone walks in, they just say, oh, you know, how much is a Harley? Oh, it's about 15, 20 grand, 30 grand, depending on which model you get. Right? I've had many people throughout the years come, oh, man, you could build me a Harley. How much will it cost? I go, well, you know, just for the bike? or Because, see, there's a sticker price, but then there's the price to own the Harley-Davidson. Right? And the price to own a Harley-Davidson isn't cheap, right? The price to own an American-made motorcycle is not cheap. 
right? They say that HD, what it stands for, is $100, right? Because every time you go to the dealership, you're going to spend $100. And that, came, that saying came out 20 years, so now it's $200, right? Hopefully no one from my work hears this, but we're about to raise our labor rate to $150 an hour, right? So it's not cheap to own a Harley. Services, $500 for an oil change, right? You want to do some motor work, you better cash out about four grand, right? It's expensive to own a Harley. But people come in, oh man, for only $200 a month, I could have a Harley Davidson? Yeah. Plus this, plus that, plus this, plus that. Don't wreck it, don't ruin it, don't break it. If you do, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Amen? The cost is high to own a Harley Davidson. Amen? But praise the Lord, I know how to work on them, so I'm void from that penalty. Amen? But it's expensive. It's expensive. See, this message that I want to bring out tonight, it's not so much about impact bias. It's not so much about focalism. It's not so much about, you know, the bait and the hook. But what this is about is about counting the cost. Amen? And this is the message that God put upon my heart this week as I was praying and I was asking God, God, what do you want me to speak to, the, to my church? Right? I'm not the pastor. Right? But this is my church. Right? You guys are my family. Right? You guys are my brothers, my sisters, my, my uncles, my aunts. When I see people like Brother Frank and, and Maxine, man, you guys, are, you guys are my family. So I didn't want to just come up here tonight and just give another message and just maybe pull out a notebook from a few years ago and give you a good message. No, no. I, I went into prayer. I went into fast. And I said, God, I want you to show me something for your people. Why? Because I'm tired of seeing people fall away. Right? I'm tired of seeing people give up. Right? I'm tired, of, uh, I'm tired of seeing people come in and give their lives to God and serve God for a little bit. And then because they didn't count the full cost, they leave the house of God. So I said, God, I, I really want you to speak to myself. And I really want you to speak to my family. God, I really want you to speak to our church. Right? There, God, is doing, God is doing something great within our church. God is doing something great within our region. God is doing something great within our ministry. But it's going to take us counting the full cost. Amen. Luke 9, 23 through 24. You guys could go ahead and take your Bibles. Like I said, not an easy message. But it's the one that God wants us to hear tonight. Luke 9, 23 through 24. When you guys get there, say amen. It says, then he said to the crowd... If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Amen. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Amen. Father, have your way within the next few moments. Holy Spirit, move in Jesus' name. Now, to look a little deeper, why don't we turn to Luke 14. In Luke 9, Jesus, he gives his first kind of warning, right? Now, salesmen, what they try to do, they'll, they'll give you the warnings, but they'll do it real slow, fine print, right? But Jesus, he puts it out there for us, amen? He doesn't want us to be caught by focalism or impact bias or any of these other schemes that other people are trying to do, but no, he lays it out. In Luke 9, he's, he, he gives them his first warning. And then here in Luke 14, verse 25 through 27, we're going to go ahead and read. It says, A large crowd 
was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, key word, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. When God showed me this scripture, man, I was like, God, I don't want to preach this message. But then over time, God began to show me, no, this is what needs to be brought out. Here in Luke 14, we read about Jesus and his ministry at a turning point, right? They're at a turning point. Up to this point, Jesus has been going around doing miracles, right? He's been doing signs. He's been doing wonders, right? He's been drawing the crowds. He's been attracting the people, right? If it was today, he probably would have been having JG concert, right? He would have been having, you know, this and that and shotgun, right? Jesus would have been calling up Pastor Stevon and, you know, but this is good stuff because it's drawing the crowds, right? And Jesus was healing the sick, healing the blind. Before chapter 14, he had healed the woman with the issue of blood. He had fed the 5,000, and he had cast out demons. And everybody was like, man, this man is, this guy is bad, right? I want to follow him. I want to do what he does, right? They were following him, right? They, 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 were, they were following the hype. They were following the movement. You know, I'm sure that they probably had their T-shirts and their souvenir cups with Jesus, 1 BC, right? Like, man, I was there, right? I got my ticket stub. I saved my little piece of bread. Like, man, it's awesome, right? Because that's how people are. It's not true. That's how it is. I was there. I was at Shotgun 98. Yeah, but, bro, you're out here on the street. What are you doing? Right? Oh, I was there for this. I was there for that. I remember when. Well, what about now? What are you doing now? Oh, well, you know, I, I didn't count the cost. So where are they at? Where are they at? Amen? So Jesus turns and he looks as a good shepherd. And in my, in my words, he tells him, I know you guys are all excited and juiced about what is going on. But it's about to get real. Right? He tells them, I know you guys have seen all the miracles. You guys have seen all the signs. You guys have seen all the provision. You guys have seen all this good stuff. But I want to let you know, it's about to get real. If you're just here for the show and for the free food, it's time to turn back. I don't know about you. Every time we have a picnic, man, everybody shows up. Amen. Which is good. This is good. But this is what Jesus is telling him. He says, because where we're going, it's going to get dark lonely and it's going to cost you your life and if you're not down to pay the price go ahead and turn back God Jesus is the worst but the best salesman because he tells you as it is right at my job they probably would never sell any bikes if someone told them the actual price over a span of 10 years how much it would cost to own a Harley they'd walk away but Jesus tells them you want to follow me you want to be my disciple Right? You want to have the blessings and have all this and all that. This is what it's going to cost. It doesn't come cheap. Right? And what Jesus did for the next three years of his ministry is he modeled paying the price so that we can do the same. Amen? 
See, in prep, in prep for this, God showed me many times that even us as Christians and ministers, that sometimes we're like the salesman at the car lot. We just tell them, oh, just accept Jesus, and everything will be nice, and everything will be great, and all your problems will disappear, right? Because we want to see the altar filled, and we want to see hands lifted. So we don't tell them the full cost. But when we come and we do an altar call, we should, have, we should come and say, hey, God is calling you, but I want to let you know that there's going to be hardship. I want to let you know that there's going to be pain. And I want to let you know that there's going to be sorrow. And I want to let you know that people are going to leave you and desert you and talk about you and stab you in your back and, and say this and say that. Do you want to follow him? See, this life is, this life is the best life. I would never trade the life that I'm living now for anything else, right? I thank God that he came into my life when I was 12 years old, right? And that he had his hand of protection upon me until I was 18 where I really got to catch the vision and commit my life to Christ. I would never go back. At work, I got a, I got a picture of, of, of an old Impala that me and my dad had worked on for a few years. And, you know, everybody sees the car, but I see a little bit more than just that car, when I look at that picture, even today, one of the guys asked me, oh, whose car was that? And I was like, oh, that, you know, and then I started giving him the testimony and say, yeah, you know, it was cool, but, you know, shortly after that, my mom got sick, my mom passed away, my dad went to prison, you know, I was promised that car, right? And when my dad got out, I came home from school, the car was gone because he sold it for drug money or whatever, right? That's the life that God took me from right? And I thank God for that. And I would never trade anything for anything different than what I have right now, right? Save, save if I hear, got beautiful kids, a beautiful wife, a calling and a purpose. I would never trade that. But every day, amen, every day, every day I have to wake up and I have to count the costs because I could easily slip back and just do whatever I want to do. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a gang member. But no, I have my own cross to bear. Amen? And just so you know, your cross is not that someone made your latte wrong. Amen? There's, it's bigger than that. Amen? See, so Jesus lays it all out on the table for us. And that's what I pray that I do here tonight. Amen? See, God has called us all for a great purpose and for a great plan. He doesn't want us to be misled. He wants us to count the cost before we raise our hand and say, I do. Amen. I remember it being at Pastor Stevon and Sister Chella's house when me and my wife were dating and they were doing premarital counseling. And they, you know, they pretty much told us the same thing. You count the cost, right? Marriage is not for kids. It's for grown-ups, right? Are you willing to pay the price, right? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to give up your own will? Are you willing not to be selfish? Are you willing, you know, to, 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 to serve them before you serve yourself? Are you willing, right? And, and, and that's the same thing that, 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 that it is with this, right? That God wants us to count, a co count the cost, right? It's almost like if I come to you and say, hey, let's go on a vacation, right? Let's go on a vacation. So you I go home, pack your stuff. We're going to go on a vacation. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. You go home, you pack your swim trunks, you pack your chanclas, your sunblock, right? You got your, you got your straw hat. You're ready to go kick it at, down at Cabo, right? And I come pick you up. We get on the plane. You don't get a chance to look at the ticket. Boom, we're on the plane. Then what happens? I, you, I, I drop you off in Iraq, right? That's how it is sometimes in the house of God, 
oh, come get saved, everything's good, and then boom, you're in spiritual warfare and you don't know what's going on within your life because someone dropped you off in the spiritual Iraq. Amen, drop bombs dropping on you, enemy beating up on you, and you're just like, man, forget this, and you just leave. Amen? See, what Jesus is saying is that he desires for us to devote ourselves to him and to give him everything to the point where it looks like it seems. Amen? Like, when we go back to the scripture, when he says hate, right? When Jesus says, I need you to hate. Wait a minute, Jesus, didn't, weren't you just telling us to love Right? Weren't you just telling us to love your neighbor? Weren't you just telling us to love my wife like you love the church? Weren't you just telling me, right, to, to be good to my family and honor my mother and my father? And now you're telling me to hate them? But what Jesus is saying, he says, no, no, no. I want you to love me so much and devote yourself to me so much that it seems like you hate everything else. That it seems like your job doesn't matter. That it seems like your family doesn't matter. That it seems like what kind of car or clothes that you wear, that, that it, nothing matters except for me. Amen? And after this, Jesus gives us three examples of counting the cost. And in these three examples, there's three points. Amen? So get your pens ready. Three points that Jesus brings out here in Luke 14, starting in verse 28. The first point that Jesus says, if you read it, what his point is, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. That's his first point. Luke 14, 28 says, but don't begin until you count the cost. Right? Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Amen? The first line is heavy. Don't even begin until you count the cost. I'm, I'm, very impatient per, I'm a very impatient person when it comes to projects. And I jump the gun, and I'll do things out of order sometimes without counting the full cost. And then, you know. But what Jesus is saying here, he says, don't even begin until you count the cost. Amen? See, God wants us to finish what we start. Amen. God wants us to finish what we start. Luke 9, 6, uh, 9, 62 says, Anyone who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. God wants us to be finishers. Amen. God wants us to finish what we start. That if we say, I'm going to do something, that we commit to it and that we do it. Amen. See, not counting the cost before will lead to quitting when things get hard, when things get tough. Right? When, when situations arise, when people start talking about you, when you don't count the full cost, you'll want to give up. But what God wants us to do, God wants us to be like Nehemiah. Amen? Where he knew the cost before he went to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That he knew that there was going to be people trying to come against him. And he knew that there was going to be times where he might have to, to fight with one hand and work with the other. And he knew that there was going to be times where even the people in the city would, 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 would rise up against him. Amen? And Jesus is saying the same thing. Don't even start until you count the cost. Because if you don't, you're going to quit. But Jesus' first point, don't quit. Amen? Not, not counting the cost is kind of like a man or a woman who likes the idea of a wedding, but not the idea of a marriage. 
Amen. Oh, I like the idea of everybody coming and celebrating me and I get to wear a fancy dress and I get to have a big old cake and and I get to do this and do that. But then when everybody's gone, they don't want the 50 years of commitment. Amen. They don't want, you know, the things that people have to go through to, to have a happy marriage. Amen. That when we don't count the costs. See, weddings are easy, but 50 years of marriage is hard. Amen. I told the life group last night, making babies is fun. Raising them is hard work. Amen. Raising them takes a lot of money. Right? Raising them. You're going to wake up and, oh, man, your priorities, man, don't even think about doing anything for 20, 30 years. Amen. I'm only three years into it. Man, Lord, help me. Should have counted that cost a little better. I think we were, our budget was off a little bit. Amen. I'm just messing around. I love my kids. Amen. Point one, don't quit. Jesus' point, point number two. Jesus' point number two, don't quit. Amen. Don't quit. Look over to Luke 14, 31 through 32. It says, or what kind of king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him if it and if he can't he will send a delegation to discuss the terms of peace while the enemy is still far away amen this example tells us to know our limitations wait but wait I thought God had no limits right no limits right we sing the song no but yeah God is limitless but see God had God has certain things for us to do right that doesn't mean you know, just because God is limitless, limitless doesn't mean that we say yes to everything, right? In Jesus' first point, he says, don't quit because you need to be a finisher, right? And in this one, he says, know your limitations. Know your limitations. Now, that doesn't mean don't step out in faith. Yes, step out in faith. See what God has for you. See where God wants to take you. But sometimes we have to learn to say no. No, I want to focus on what God has called me to do so that I could finish it and do it to the best of my ability that God has me doing this life group and and I'm going to focus in on this life group or I'm in the kids gang and I want to focus in on the kids gang and I want to focus in on raising these young kids and you know that you you focus with intense, you know, purpose because sometimes we spread ourselves too thin maybe because of our gifts, because of our talents and then after a while we feel burnt out, we feel that everybody's using us Right, we feel mad, and then we, we count the cost wrong. And we, so we just throw the whole thing in, right? So we have to know our limitations, amen? Following Jesus does not mean saying yes to everything. It's better to say yes to a few things and finish them to being spread too thin and finishing nothing, right? Little continuous victories win the war, amen? Victory after victory after victory after victory wins the battle, wins the war, Amen. But if you keep having defeat after defeat after defeat because you're doing things that God hasn't called you to do, you're going to be defeated. And you're going to want to give up and you're going to think, man, God is not real. And you're going to have resentment and all my pastor and my leader, all that. I've been there. I've been there because I've allowed my flesh to just put me in places, man, where that's not necessarily what God wants me. God has somebody else to do that. Right. Amen. So point one, don't quit. Point two, don't quit. Point three, what do you think it is? Don't quit. Amen? Don't quit. Don't give up. Luke 14, 34 through 35 says, Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? 
Flavorless salt is good for nothing. Amen? Neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown, it is thrown away. And anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Amen? This speaks to our testimony. Amen? This portion of scripture, to be salty, speaks to our testimony. Just as salt brings out flavor and preserves food, God has called us to bring flavor and preserve the word of God. Amen? To preserve his spirit, right? To, to take it to people in need, right? That, so that when they taste God, that it, it, that it has flavor. But sometimes they get bitterness from us when we represent the church. Sometimes maybe because we didn't count the cost fully, they get something sour instead of something sweet. We might not tell them straight out, but in your attitudes, right? Maybe they hear a conversation. Maybe, they, you know, everybody's people are watching, right? I work with 10, 11 guys, and they're always like, man, it's like, are you watching me? Or are you watching what you're doing, right? But I know God has me there to be a testimony, to be an example. I got guys that smoke all tatted up, cussing all day, and then I say something, they go, oh, is that how a Christian talks? Like, Really? Right? But it's a check on me. Right? It's a check on me that they're watching me. That, that you know what? They're seeing if, 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 if what I'm about is real. Right? So God said, Jesus says, stay salty. Right? Stay salty. Stay strong. Don't lose your anointing. Right? Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your purpose. Amen? Don't give up on being righteous. Don't, be, uh, don't give up on being good. Don't give up on being generous. Don't give up on, on, on sacrifice. Amen? Carrying, carrying your cross. Amen? God is calling us to carry our cross by our right living. Right? And being a good testimony. So counting the cost will keep us salty. Amen? And this might even mean saying no to certain things in our life. This might even mean maybe, you know, I'm not going to watch that show. Or I'm not going to go to that movie. Or I'm not going to listen to that kind of music. Or, you know, I'm not going to go to these certain types of places because I'm counting the cost. Because I want to stay salty. Because see, what happened back in the day when Jesus, when, when, when Jesus said this, that their salt was not pure salt. It was mixed with other minerals, right? But over time, if the salt wasn't, wasn't you know, uh, uh, contained right or protected right, that the salt would dissolve and it would leave the other minerals behind, right? And so what happens is that it would lose its potency. It would lose its power, Right? That if we don't protect the Spirit of God that is living inside of us, amen, if we don't protect the power that God has given us, we will lose it. We will lose it. You might keep your gifts, you might keep your talents, but you'll lose your anointing. You'll lose your power. Samson lost his power, Samson lost his anointing. We have to be careful to guard it, right? We can't let anything in that's going to contaminate it, right? We want to stay salty for God's honor and for God's glory. Amen? Forehead's a little salty. Amen. So I want, I want to go ahead and I want to shift gears and go into this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the worship team to come up. And, um, you know, it, it, Jesus talked about these three things. And he said, don't quit. Don't quit. Count the cost. Right? Consider the battle. Right? Stay salty. Carry your cross. Hate everything else. And give everything to me. See, in, in, there, there's three ways that we could respond to the call of Christ. There's three ways that we can respond to, to, to Jesus calling our life, right? Jesus died on the cross. We just celebrated this year, th th this past week. 
He died on the cross. He went to the grave. And then he rose on the third day. Amen. He rose on the third day so that we can be saved. But he lived the life for us to follow. Amen. And then there's three ways. There's three ways to respond to Jesus. Number one, we could respond in pride. Amen. We could respond in pride. Pride says, Jesus, I know best. Sometimes when God comes and he says, hey, count the cost, we go, ah, Jesus, I know best. I know what to do. I've been doing it for 10 years already. I've been in the home for two weeks. I got it down. Right? I've been married for six months. I know what to do. Pride gets in the way. When Jesus says, give me everything, our pride gets in the way. Matthew 16, 4 says, anyone who intends, this is in the Message Bible, it says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. So we could respond in pride, or secondly, we could, re we could respond in fear. See, fear says, Jesus, I don't want to give you everything because I might lose everything. I don't want to give you my best because I might lose my best. See, we fear that if we fully follow and surrender, that our needs won't be met. God, don't you know the needs that I have? Don't you know my bills? God, don't you know that I'm a single man? And that I ain't got, you know, I got to do this, I got it. No, Jesus says, give it to me. But we, because of fear, we, we, don't, we fear giving up certain things. We fear cutting certain things off of our life. We fear surrendering our addictions. We fear surrendering our insecurities. We fear surrendering, you know, all the different relationships in our life because of what we want instead of what God wants for us. See, Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, if it's, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Amen? If it's God's will, it's God's bill. I hear, I've heard that my entire time serving God, that, amen, I think Pastor Darrell used to say it all the time. Oh, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Right? But it's so true. If God calls you to go across the world, what do we do? We, oh, man, how am I going to live this, that? I do it. I do it. But God is saying, don't worry about it. I got you. Just some, surrender your life to me. Commit your life to me. Accept what I have for you. So I know what I said was kind of grooved a little bit, you know, hard to take. Man, carry your cross. What about, all the, what the, what about the good Jesus? This is the good Jesus. This is the good Jesus. This is the loving Father. I remember being a kid and my dad telling me, no, you can't go there. No, you can't do that. And I go, Dad, why? Because I love you. Yeah, right. You're mean. All my other friends get to do it. Yeah, well, maybe their dads don't love them as much as I love you. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, I love you so much, I'm going to tell you the truth. That if you really want to follow me, if you really want to commit your life to me, if you really want to serve me and you want to be the best life group leader and the best home director and the best kids gang teacher, if you want to be the best worship leader, if you want to be the best pastor, you got to pick up your cross. you got to follow me. you got to deny everything else. you got to give me your life. Because if you don't, you're not going to experience my fullness. You're not going to experience it to the best. You're only going to get a portion. The third way that we could respond, and this is where, we should, where I pray that we all get, and this is where God wants us to be. And it's a struggle. 
One day I might respond in pride. One day I might respond in prayer and fear. But the third, God wants us to respond in faith. God wants us to respond in faith. When God calls us, when God puts a burden upon us, when God brings us here to this church, to Victory Outreach with a great mission, with a great purpose, God wants us to respond in faith. To say, you know what, it doesn't matter what I think I need. It doesn't matter about my focalism or my impact bias or my tunnel vision or or all the needs that I have. It's not about that, God. I want to just please you. God, and I surrender to you. See, pride says I know best. But faith says, God, you know best. God wants us to respond in that mentality. God, you know best for my life. God, you know best for my marriage. God, you know best for my kids. God, you know best for my job. God, you know best for my finances. God, you know best for my health. God, you know best for my ministry. God, you know best for every aspect of our life. See, pride puts God in the backseat but faith puts God in the driver's seat. Amen? And when God's in the driver's seat, it's like we're being chauffeured around in a stretch limo. Amen? With Martinelli's on, on ice. Amen? God, we just, we're just going along for the ride. Amen? We're just going along for the ride. When we put God in the driver's seat, when we respond in faith... Man, that's when we, we begin to experience the blessings of God. When we allow God to take us to another country, when we allow God to take us into a city, when we allow God to, to, to lead us into doing a life group or, or being a leader of a ministry, when we allow God, allow God to lead us into giving up our all, we just go for a ride. And as I was preparing this, I was, I was doing this, this point, I, I kept thinking of Pastor Chucky. That as I watched him, I went to Indonesia and I lived with him for a few months. He would just live by faith. And he'd say, oh, wherever God wants me to go, I'm going to go. Philippines, Indonesia, Africa. Just, just chilling in the backseat. Letting God take him wherever God wants him to go. And do whatever God wants him to do. You step out in favor. Step out in purpose. But when you're in the driver's seat, oh man, which way do I go? Left, right, ah. Right? Frustrated, confused. So what God desires for us tonight is for us to give him everything and for us to get out of the driver's seat and just to take a seat in the back and just say, God, I surrender everything to you. God, I give you everything. See, many times we come to God and we just want to give God a part. Right? Sometimes we come to God and we just want to give God our good stuff. Right? Right? We want to just give God our talents. We just want to give God our blessing. We just want to give God our ability to sing, our ability to preach. We just want to give God all the good stuff. But Jesus is saying, I don't don't even care about the good stuff. I want the bad stuff. I want the stuff that you got tucked away so deep that only you know about. I want everything. I want everything. See, there's a script, there's a line in here that we didn't read in Luke 14. Verse 33, it says, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything. Everything. You cannot be my disciple without giving up everything. You got to give it up. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what you're struggling with. 
But Jesus says, I want to take it. When you come into my job, if you ain't got money, you ain't getting a bike. If you ain't got money, you ain't getting your bike worked on. It's business. But with Jesus, you come in, you ain't got money, Jesus says, don't worry about it. I got you. You ain't got talents, don't worry about it. I got you. Just give me what you got. Right? Give me what you got. Just like any good drug dealer would do. Amen? Jesus ain't a drug dealer, but I've been around a few. Amen? You ain't got 20, what do you got? But that's how Jesus, Jesus, he says, you, I know you ain't got nothing. I know you're poor. I know you're hurting. I know you're broken. I know you've been abused. I know you've been hurt. I know you struggle with pornography. I know you drink. I know you do this. I don't care. Just give it to me. And in return, I'm going to give you everything. 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 Stand with me tonight.